Hello and welcome to another episode of the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast. We are now on episode lucky number seven. And today joining us is a fellow Blizzard employee, uh, senior animation artist Casey McDermott. Uh, Casey and I have known each other for quite a few years at this point. I was lucky to meet him on my time in cinematics back in the day. And Casey has since then has moved on to uh, the Overwatch team where he animates full time for them. So. In this episode, man, we talk about demo reels, we talk about failures, we talk about things they don't teach you in school that you just kind of get on the on the job experience with, typically. So this is a good one to listen to, and I hope that you all enjoy it. Um, you'll see below during the, the video portion of this podcast that I've got his demo reel playing underneath him. I'll put all of his information uh, on the bottom of this video. Check out his demo reel with the audio on. We have a segment in here where we talk about standing out in demo reels, and he's a really big advocate of doing different things in your reel. Even if it's small, just something to stand out and make yourself known and noticed from all the recruiters, all the reels that the recruiters see and uh, animation leads get to go through. So. Check out his reel with audio on for sure. Um, he's also teaching in the fall at iAnimate Online Animation School. So once you check out the podcast, see what he's got to say. He's got great things to talk about on education and teaching animation in general. Make sure to give us a like, give us a follow if you enjoy the content that you're seeing here. I'm trying to do this as much as possible, of course, in a three-month increment, it seems to be like. So uh, if you like us, hit those buttons, ring those bells, and I hope to see you next time on the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast. Stay safe, stay sane, stay healthy, go support an artist, be kind to one another, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Broken Tangent Animation Podcast episode, lucky number seven. I'm here with senior animation artist Casey McDermott, who has dressed up to the nines for us tonight. And I am sorely underdressed with just a probe on my shirt. It's not even, not even close to what we got going on here, Casey. Man, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it so much, man. Um, I'm sure you're busy, as we all are. Um, yeah, thank you for having me, Chris. Yeah. We've been talking about this for a while, so thank you. Way too long. Way too long. So I've got to, I got to start the podcast with my community's number one question. I get asked about this uh, on Twitch a lot, and it's uh, why the Dodgers. Out of all the teams, you know we've had we've had Dodger fans on the past. Peter Lee came on here spouting about the Dodger pride, and I'm just like, what? What is it me and getting the Dodger fans on here? I'm not quite sure. I'm be honest, I'm getting sick. Of, if we're talking is baseball talk now. Oh, we're, we're I thought uh, this is an animation podcast. I forgot about I'm that. Yeah. Turner, any, anybody, you know, I don't care. Something. This is the best. They, they're prepared, <laughs> trust me. They're prepared. <laughs> um, and so at that time, I couldn't like go online to watch the Dodgers. So I had to follow up a Bay Area team, and my dad is a diehard Dodger fan too. So um, I knew I couldn't like the Giants, or else I would be like kicked out of the house. I you would, would be sleep under a bridge. You would and, be. Yeah, that would have been. That would not have been. Uh, yeah. So 
I had to pick up the A's. The A's were my, my American League team. Okay. The Dodgers are my National League team. It's just the way it's going to be. I, I can't. No, it's a Dodger Giant game, not a Giant Dodger game. You know yeah, I mean? Absolutely. Game, no, there's layers to this, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there's absolute layers to this. Uh, you know what's so funny is we bring up baseball, but honestly, I think that was like the first thing you and I kind of connected on when we met each other. Um, yeah. And it was just you telling me about how you were playing baseball and trying to almost into the pro level and then getting uh, from that point into animation for reasons that I'll let you kind of get into if you want. But I'm really curious about how you got into animation overall and like, um, was it something growing up as a kid? Was, was art and animation kind of your thing or was it were you doing a sports or i was i was uh i was a full jock boy yes know? sir Just all sports all the time although um i had the nerdiest side that nobody knew about because oh, uncouth for a, uh, a total athlete to be a huge star wars nerd or uh, you know i i nerded out over all the comic books and i mean gambit was one of my favorite Superheroes as a kid, you know, like I, I, yes. I loved, I loved everything superhero and comic. Um, I, I feel like it just finally, I finally got to let it all out, you know. Um, with for for baseball though, it's like, I'm sorry, I already went off on a tangent. Like I'm already thinking of like all my nerdiness as a kid. What was the main question, Curtis? I'm kind of curious. Did you grow up in like like an art, like an animation, yeah. or were you more into other things that was not art? Lately. Okay. Okay. Um, my dad. Uh, my dad played semi-professionally as well as a pitcher. Okay. Um, and so, like, for me growing up, that's what I wanted to do. But my mom on the other side was an artist, and she was actually a visual effects artist um, for Disney and um, like filmation. Oh wow. Where the studios were growing up. Like she worked on like Tron and um, you know several other projects over there. Awesome. And, again, so I, I, like, I do want to preface I. I I don't want to say I took it for granted, but I cheated. You know, I <laughs> family yes. very loud and uh, uh, gestural uh, comics. Uh, they're all artists. So yeah. my mom is an artist. Both of my aunts were, or my mom was a visual effects artist. My Both of my aunts were animators, actually. My uncle was an animator and a visual effects animator. And um, so I grew up around it. You know, Holy like smokes, yeah. To go into Disney Studios and seeing them work on light desks. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, you know, they were, one of them was a cleanup artist, one of them was an effects artist for so, for so many years, and um, the other one was, was another cleanup artist. So, uh, again, I just, I just was around it a lot. Yeah. I didn't realize what I was seeing. I didn't realize how special that was at the moment. Yeah. I didn't understand how cool that was, the history of everything that was going on. Um, however, I think, you know, one's like, Toy Story came out and Finding Nemo as, even as a teenager I was like whoa that's awesome mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, also like again uh, I have always, had, I always growing up I had a hard time admitting to who I was you know like again like I was this this baseball player but I really loved the nerdy stuff and, like, yes ah oh, see I'm right there with you yeah it was only until I embraced that that I felt more comfortable in my own skin no you know? no <laughs> Um, yeah, I, yeah, so I just, I followed my dream to do, to do baseball. That was, that was what it was for me until yep. injury, uh, behind a computer for a nine months period, you know, not being able to, to move my legs or practice or exercise. 
And I remember telling my coach, like, hey, listen, I have to have some surgery. I'm going to be in something called a mobilizer for 9 to 12 months. It's going to take it's gonna be a long recovery. And I remember what he said to me. He said, oh, really? I recovered in four months. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, hmm. I'm just giving you what the doctor told me. I don't, you know, here I am in, in 19, 18, 19 year old kid. Yeah. This kind of authority at the time. Like, uh, no. I'm not going to push it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like my legs. Yeah. And so I remember that really struck a chord in me. And and then I just took the time to just animate online. Sorry, sorry, not online, but like with Lightwave and just start to play around with 3D packages. Yeah. And then he's, he told me when the tryouts were, and I just didn't even show up, man. I was, or when, when the next, like, they always have these tryouts for people who, they just have the tryouts, you know? Yeah. The seasonal tryouts. And yeah, yeah. I just didn't show up. I just was happy to keep animating. Yes. It was like my focus had just shifted from something else to, something else and i was really um excited and hungry and driven to to dive deeper in yeah like art and animation had you know dude that's wild yeah, that's, how it started. Yeah. that's wild i um my path is similar where i was i was big into baseball from mm-hmm. freaking five years old through high school my end though was an injury it was more i didn't make it into the college i wanted to play baseball for and to me, I thought if I couldn't get into Cal State Fullerton as a team for college, there was a very respectable, team a very respectable um, I didn't think that was going to be worth it to even try anywhere else. So I didn't make it. I did a couple of summer tryouts where like, they grade you on offense, defense, etc. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, yes. And that was the first time I ever learned you know, really what the hot corner was when the coach gets out there and just wails the balls at you to try to get you to move left and right and see your range, etc. And after that, I knew this was not going to be the uh, the path for me. And growing up through high school, I had a buddy, the catcher, who um, his brother was into this program called 3D Studio Max, like version R2, something back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I remember going into his bedroom and he was playing with this program, and he showed me how to attach a particle bomb to just a simple sphere. And he hit play on the timeline, and this thing blew up in real time, and I was sold. I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> Just sitting here, you're just blowing up geometry this whole time. Like, uh, dude, tell me, how do you do this? How do you do yeah. this? Um, and that was my shift in focus right there. That's a great shift. And Chris, were you a gamer too? Um, I was a gamer to the respect of on summer breaks, I would play a lot of Street Fighter, um, yeah. uh, a lot of Super Nintendo as far as Contra, more of the shooter fighting games, I think. Not so much. I played the original Zelda, but I didn't get really get much into the RPG stuff. But... I, I was a gamer on the fighting side for sure. Oh man, again, like I've been talking about that secret nerd side. Like I, I was the kid in the back of the bus whispering about games that I was playing. Like I was, I remember sitting on the bus and like explaining my night experience from the night before. Yes. You know yes. I remember. Yes. And now so, that's the cool thing to do, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah. Now it's flipped to one eighty, <laughs> where I could talk openly about this and it's like, oh yeah we do this too yeah absolutely pioneers absolutely <laughs> um, so you you did uh an animation program online for a couple of months after you were just messing around in lightwave you're like hey i want to dive deeper into this let me check out what's available online or uh, at that time i was at a community college so I was doing okay some, um, art classes and multimedia classes um and then i you know the the actually the instructors there were were really great artists like really good artists they they were pretty novice and new when it came to 3d art and animation sure 
Um, but they were very good artists. One one is like a professional marketer who makes beautiful logos for big companies, and he had some really great ideas and thoughts and theories to what makes something appealing in a simple frame. And you know, he was talking more about shapes and less about animation and characters. Okay, more theory. But I learned a lot from him. Yeah. yeah. And then the um, the other guy who actually was teaching multimedia like in three D at the time, just again another really tremendous artist. The dude created the Sierra Nevada beer labels for years, and then he went off and made his own company. And every time I see him on like LinkedIn or Facebook or something, he's like this like star-studded beer label. What? Like, he makes all the art for these beer labels. And you're like, dang, dude, what a what a cool yeah. Thing. And um, so you know those are. I, I got a lot of great info from these community college instructors. I, I won't. I don't um, really appreciate my time there. I, I wouldn't ever have thought it would have been as, as useful. And uh, it was. It was at that time I just uh, I'm trying to think what, where it actually started. I, I applied to a bunch of internships. Okay. And and I actually worked at a company called Sony Computer Entertainment America down in La Jolla. And they were doing MLB The Show, and a couple of games. A game got canceled that I was working on, and or something. Else. I worked on like three titles when I was there as a production assistant, and it was great. It, they, as an intern for three months, what they allowed for me to do is like shadow one person after another after another. So I was shadowing artists and producers and directors and mm. uh, and talent. And um, you know, I, I was there on a, a, for a Wayne Gretzky mocap shoot, and I just I got to like I was a huge like, being late. Uh, Lakers, Dodgers. Yeah, Kings. LA, LA, LA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm a Gretzky boy. I, I was stoked. Um, you know, I've always heard, you know, the great one was is, is a class act, and he was just nothing but, you know. Well. It, was, it, it was really exciting for me, you know. What a, what a perfect transition from somebody who's such a jock in sports, and then, like, this is your introduction to yeah. games and animation. So. And how crazy that it's on MLB The Show, too. Hello? Yeah. You go from... It was The Show. I, I, <laughs> I, I should be careful what I say. I think yeah, yeah. Okay. Something 2004. Something baseball. Now, and you got this hooked up just cold emailing some studios around the no, running their way? Or? So uh, my brother-in-law is also a photographer. And okay. Work for, uh, or in the past, had done some work for SDEA. And uh, he just referred me to the position. And, you know, as the story goes, that's kind of how, that's how it started. Yep. Networking, y'all. Check Absolutely. that. Networking goes a long way, a long way. Um, and then once I got there, I, I, dude, I didn't take it for granted. I, yeah. I still keep in touch with a lot of the people that helped me on my journey there um, because it was there that somebody, that was the first time someone snuck me into SIGGRAPH. He, we duplicated his badge and I got in. Beautiful. And, uh, he'll, he may Kids, you can't this. get away with that this time. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I, he may never see this, but dude, he is a huge reason to why I do this. Um, hmm. saw Rapunzel, a Glenn Keane was giving a talk about uh, Rapunzel at the time. Yeah. And I remember seeing seeing that and going to myself, I am going to do that. That's what I want to be on. I'm going to, and I worked, that was my goal. You know, it didn't yep. make it happen, but I, that was my goal at the time. I was like, I'm going to work on, I'm going to do that. And, you know, at that point in time, there was, it was only going to come out in three years. I'd never animated anything a day in my life. Mm. I don't know how I was expecting to then be at that caliber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a I lot of no knowledge idea. to gain real fast. It's a Dunning-Kruger <laughs> effect. You know, I yeah. think that first start something you have that confidence then you start to realize as you put more time into you go oh i'm actually really terrible yeah <laughs> yeah i still feel like that <laughs> yeah you getting those doldrums you know? yep uh but yeah no they a lot of great people there sent me uh, gave me some one person had written like this huge like a textbook about uv and how to uv correctly and he literally printed it out on 
on the work on the work computer at the time. I don't really think about it right until now until I say it out loud. And he gave it to me, and it before it was published. And I was oh wow. You know, like, I think, and I mentioned this to somebody earlier today. I think that when when we're all eager, you know, we're all like excited and we're willing, and we're pushing to help ourselves. And, yep. we, and we we don't say that we're willing to help ourselves, but we show that we're willing to help ourselves. People are always more willing to help those who are who are wanting to help themselves. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Um, it's hard to help somebody who doesn't even want to help themselves. Like, you know, pitch me that idea. <laughs> yeah. Make me get excited. Yes. Yeah, I feel like um, if you're going to ask people for help and feedback, like I want to show them the progress or the next time I at least show them that piece that something has been done from that aspect. So it's not like I'm not asking you and taking your energy away from something else for nothing. You know what I mean? Like I want to yeah. put it in the effort and show you that I want to improve myself with whatever you give me. Like, let me soak that up and, and make myself better. Um, as cheese as it is, learn and grow. Like, I love that saying still. Like, every day I learn something new. There's so many. Now with social media, uh, and I'm still so new to Twitter. Like, I feel like I only joined Twitter a couple of years ago. And I joined it for the art and the animators and that, that whole network. It's crazy the amount of great so artists that are on there. And I'm like, I did need to know you. I need to know you. I need to know you. Um but without those people and without those networks, um, it's hard to kind of make it on your own. And, and I really, I really emphasize that with students that come in on Twitch and be like, even if where do I start? Where do you start? And and yeah. for one, I tell them have fun right now. If this is your first time getting an animation, like you said, just jump into a program and just play and have fun and make all the mistakes you want, um, and go from there. You know, like there's a lot of great resources out there. A lot of them are paid. You know, you oh yeah, go to a school, you can take workshop classes, all this stuff. And there is a lot of really nice and useful information out there, but it's really all up into the individual and the amount of time that they dedicate to it. Yes. Um, and then there's, you know, there's also the, a, a, a portion of the people who maybe can't afford a lot of those opportunities. And, and that's really, that's hard, you know? Um, with that being said, there are a lot of great like YouTube tutorials that yes. you piecemeal together. It's a lot more work. It's a lot harder, but I guarantee you're going to understand the information and the whys behind everything. Maybe even more than those who went to a school. If you had to go out and find that information for yourself, as, um, that hard work would be. It would, it would pay off in the end if you're still passionate and interested about it. You know. I couldn't agree more, and that's why I'm trying to do as much free content as possible. Because when I went to school in the early 2000s, there was no nothing on the internet about animation. It was all tribal knowledge, and it was yeah. very kept to the cuff. Um, it was almost like, go for it, go for it. Sorry, do you remember Keith Lango? Yes. Like, that was like the only, I yes. the only guy online that was like putting tutorial series out there. And I'm sure you heard a couple months ago, maybe it was even longer than that, he released all of his videos. I saw that, yeah. yeah I, I ate all those up. Give me them. Yeah. Give me him. But he was one of the few. One of the few. And even that was like still mid-2000s, I feel like. Maybe. You're probably right. Maybe. Yeah. I graduated college in 2003 with a reel. I was like, oh, this is going to be it. I'm going to get yeah. so many jobs. And I wish I could show you that reel, Casey. But you would think less of me after that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, you know. Bad. You know. I got a lot of rejection letters. And I learned, I learned how to be humble real fast. And be That's like, good. look, I need to come out of school and learning doesn't stop after school if you go to school yeah, you got to take what you learn and continue pushing and making new pieces etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah broken record as you know um i wanted to ask you are you teaching at all currently because i i took a your class at blizzard 
a long time ago. Um, we did a little cool workshop together, which was highly valuable. Um, but I didn't know if were you getting into teaching at that point. Do you teach for a little bit? Yeah, I've taught for the greater part of the last decade. Okay. Uh, I've taught at schools. I've taught at Nomen, uh, iAnime, uh, Think Tank Creative Center, which is a, a Vancouver-based school. And um, and then for a while there, I actually wound up uh, mentoring individuals on the side. Nice. LLC. Um, and I really enjoy teaching. Mm -hmm. And the reason why I really enjoy teaching is because it makes me refine my own workflow a lot. It makes me, every time, if I'm going to explain somebody, something to somebody the way I, I choose to do it, if I don't have strong enough reasons for those choices, then I don't want to continue teaching it that way. Yeah. And I love teaching to hungry students that are asking lots of questions because when they ask questions, it makes me have to defend my, uh, and, and respectfully, I should say, respectfully defend my, I want to make sure my bow ties okay. Yeah, thank uh, you. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, respectfully defend my workflow decisions. Yeah. Know, I want to make sure, that, and, if I, and if I can't defend it, I, I need to look at it in the mirror and make sure that I'm making the right, that there's not a better way to do something, you know, and so, you know, to teach something and explain something, you really have to understand what's happening. And so yes. If I didn't understand it before I start teaching, I'd like to think that after I start writing it down and really breaking it down, it starts to make more sense to me. And that's why I um, share that information. Yep. And I think you probably remember, I refuse to teach stepped animation because I don't know how to do it. Yeah. So I just, I can't yeah. So I'm not going to teach what I don't know. And you know what's great is it was awesome doing Hunter Grant's class because he's all about stepped mm -hmm. animation. And then taking yours immediately after that, just for a new way to think about my workflow. Because at the time, man, I got so lucky to get that job in cinematics. Like, I had no... <laughs> I really don't think I should have been there at all. Like, thinking back of, of how... It, it is. I mean, even on top of that, but, like, looking at who was working there and who was still working there. And where I was at animation level wise, like, man, I got lucky with the shots they let me touch. Um, but I learned so, so damn much from all you guys and girls that were working there um, with all these cool workshops we put on and classes and whatnot that getting to the next opportunity at Heroes of the Storm, like I got to take all of that knowledge and finally really put it forth and kind of yeah. and, and make a, a, what I felt was a, absolutely um, yeah. And it really shows, like, that as long as you keep working on it and, and obtaining that knowledge and, like you said, ask questions. As many questions you can ask, the better. Um, I can't remember which Cosmos series it was. It was Neil deGrasse Tyson's or Carl Sagan's. But one of them was talking about it's – in, it's in Carl Sagan's book about – talking about uh, how there's, like, two different sides of, of, of like, when you're learning information, you, you, you take it in as a student. You're learning as a student. Then there comes a time where you have to apply it as a professional. Mm -hmm. And those are two different thinking caps entirely. And, and basically, he was mentioning, uh, they were mentioning that, like Isaac Newton, for instance, went to school, school got closed due to plagues, and he went home. And during that time, he took all those studies and applied them to everyday life. Mm. And he came up with Newton's laws of physics. And it's just kind of interesting to think that we, you know, you take. You know, 
I, I do feel that way sometimes. When I'm learning something, I'm actively learning something and not applying it, I'm really trying to dig deep into I'm so focused. i got a magnifying glass on what I'm learning. I forget about the large picture. And it's only until I like zoom out and I see what where that is and where it's taking place in the large scheme of things and mm-hmm. I understand, ah, I see its application now. Yes. Yeah. And I find that really when 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 I heard that being said, I just broke it down in a way that I was able to relate, and I found that really fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I I tended. I think I'm using more of the straight ahead spline approach in my process these days, Um, because I've kind of taken this now working more on the game side of things lately. Getting it in the game as fast as possible to me is like number one priority. I want to put as less story keys as I can, maybe just the main keyframes and get into the game and start troubleshooting and see if it looks good in game and then tweak that animation. You know what I mean? Um, now with you, you've been working in games for how many years now? Over 10? Uh, I don't know if I count like a lot of my cinematics time, uh, as working games necessarily. Okay. But animating. Yeah. Animating for games of some sort, game development and animating for games. It's so fascinating. Yes. You know, before I came to Blizzard, I'd worked in games, but I would animate something, and I would literally, like, throw it over a fence. And be like, okay. Here, you take it. Like, yeah, you implement it. <laughs> and then I'd, like, animate something. I was like, here, your yeah. turn. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> High five. <laughs> and I remember when I first started at Blizzard uh, on Project Titan, we even had an implement artist at the time who was extremely patient and helpful. And... Uh, he taught me so much about that, about mm. just implementation, and I must have drove him nuts with questions. I, I already asked lots of questions. Yeah. I, in fact, this is actually a true thing. I remember thinking I asked him so many damn questions that at one point in time I was like, "Fuck, I can't ask him another one right now." <laughs> writing these down so that way I could give him a block of questions, and then I yeah. get like this page full of questions. I'm like, oh, he's gonna hate this even worse. What's worse, like a stream of questions or like a like an ocean? Of yes. You, yes. Way. <laughs> you should attach uh, a five dollar bill to those questions <laughs> next time and see how it goes. Yeah. I swear to you, our tech artists on Heroes, we ended up making a tip jar for them. And no, anytime, any, anytime they fix an issue, where we were like, "Fuck it, I don't know what's going on." Tech, help me. And when they figure yeah. it out, boom, here's lunch. You got a bottle of nice scotch I bought for tech artists. Yes. Making me broke. Love your fellow tech artists. <laughs> Love your fellow tech artists. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, so yeah, it's it's vastly different doing cinematics compared to the game design stuff for sure. Yeah. Uh, cinematics is, is I love it, man. It's great because you're really focusing on like the character and that personal moment and the scene and the shot and how it uh, works in concert with all the shots around it. And yeah. you know, there's acting and performance and action and choreography and there's a lot of really fun, fun, awesome things about that uh, that are as an artist are really fulfilling. Uh, and then game development is just like, a, it's like a different mix. It's a mixture of like this engine. Like not, I don't want to say I'm not smart enough to be an engineer, but like this technician's hat, mm-hmm, you know what mm-hmm, I mean? Mm-hmm. And then this artist's hat, or maybe it's logics and 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 art and feeling. It's logic and emotion, and you're like, ah, you know, you gotta find yes. a happy medium, you know? Yes. And, and it's a lot of problem solving. It's a lot, like you said, like just get us, get it the least amount of things in there to make it clear and then yes. just make all the tech behind it work then you can start to really you know go crazy with the animation part or whatever it is that you're trying to achieve you know yeah because there's one thing in school that i never learned about is engine blending 
Casey. Nor would I have ever thought about, okay, here's my animation. Oh, wait, the engine is going to compress that animation to a certain extent. And yeah. then maybe your animation has, in the game, a split body aspect to it, where the lower is detached from the upper body. And then it can blend from there. And you're like, I never have heard about this stuff. What are you talking about? Um, yeah. Do you like to incorporate those types of things into your teaching methods? Like, hey, when you're animating, think about this from a game design side. Think about animating in the zero or, or that type of yeah. thing to your students. Yeah, I do. Uh, when I'm teaching, I always ask. Uh, I always ask before my students, uh, if it's a game class, right? I, before my students uh, even show me what they, what they want to do, I want them to pitch me their idea. I want them to come into this room. And I want them to get everybody else in that room excited about what they want to make. I want to okay. understand what buttons I want. I need to push. And I want to understand the feeling that it needs to evoke. I want to know what actions need to happen. And uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. I want to know what kind. Of, I also want to know what kind of game it is. Is this a isometric? Is this a first-person shooter? Is this an over-the-shoulder? What are we talking? about? Where's the camera? What are we showing? What's the importance? You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I want them to. I want them to think of all these things, and then I want them to come to me, and I want them to be excited with that idea and pitch it to me okay and uh it's so crazy dude because i think with that workflow it helps obviously they get excited about one more than the others and if they have a hard time deciding between the two at least we can have a conversation about what might work better yeah yeah and i always play this game with students i always ask them to show me their portfolios at the beginning you know first class and i always play this game where i pick up i took up take up the reel and i say this one was your favorite shot. And they go, yes, how did, that's, I had the most fun working on this. I was like, I could tell, because it looks like you had fun working on this shot. <laughs> it looks yes. like there was just like a really free and flowing, and the idea was clear, and everything was like concise. And there's others where it just feels muddied and lost, and, and you could just feel like they were muddied and lost while they were even making it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or constrained or confined or frustrated. You can almost feel the angst or frustration in their curves. Or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird, man. Yeah, uh, the lack of creativity even. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I, I or, yeah. You know, I'd asked you originally how long you were you've been animating in games for. Is I want to get to the point of how do you keep yourself creatively fresh this long? You know what I mean? Like you are constantly being asked to make something new that players and the public have never seen, especially on a game that you're working on, um, as high profile as a Blizzard game is, um, and and the specific style of that game. Um, it's so awesome because you've got so much range for squash and stretch, for these lovely cinematic camera um, play of the game shots to awesome third person dances that you can connect. Um, how do you like to keep that you know creative juice flowing now? Um, I think that for me personally, the one thing that keeps my creative juices flowing is is playing games, mm. playing games, or yeah. or watching movies or something that I'm artistically inspired by honestly uh, uh, I, I always bring up this game because I find it to be fascinating and honestly probably for me it's on my top five games uh, and it probably will be there forever but it's called uh, What Remains of Edith Finch hmm. and stuff I think Lost Born, I can't remember the name of the studios but it's a little indie studio I think the game won Indie Game of the Year in 2018 and uh, I played that game but I played Firewatch before that, which was another really like great game that made that really evoked uh, feeling. Yes, is that the Molasses Flood game? By that Molasses Firewatch Flood, or is that is 
the one about a man, you answer a questionnaire at the beginning that is just beautifully tragic, and then it said, and then basically at the end of that that little questionnaire, it, you find that your character, and depending on how you answered that questionnaire, you have a certain affinity and feeling and history to your character you, you created, right? Okay. And um, and then it sends you out into the woods because you need to have some time away from society. You just need to like let your mind relax and release and you were literally out in the woods on Firewatch, and uh, and then you have to do miscellaneous things that a fire ranger would do, and then and then the story proceeds, and then little things happen here and there, and next thing you know, you're you found yourself in the middle of a thriller, and it felt great. It awesome. Just, it was a great game, and then and then a couple of years later, Edith Fitch came out, and I played that one. It was like almost as if they had stood on the shoulders of that, and then went higher, and then higher and higher, and. Both of those games, I remember, like, just full struck a chord in me, and I, and I set the, the mouse and keyboard or controller down or whatever you play with, and I thought, I just, I was speechless, man. It was wow. beautiful, it was, yeah. the lore was fun, the story, I wanted more, which is what you want from, you know, like, if you yep. believe an audience want more, then you've done, you've done a, a pretty good job. Yeah. So, I know that has nothing to do with Overwatch, but playing games like that, and, and those aren't, it's not limited to like these, I've mentioned two um, walking simulators. It's not yeah. limited to that genre. But just finding a game that evokes uh, an emotional reaction from you, whether it be sadness or happiness or tragedy or comedy or excitement or exhilaration, whatever the gameplay loop is, if it evokes something for me, I'm excited. And for instance, I'll give you one more, one more sorry, this is a broken tangent again. Do it. It's a great name for a podcast, <laughs> dude. When I thought of it, I like I that day I thought of it I was like I need to lock this down now, yeah. like right now. <laughs> and I, I went and bought the domain. I went and got the. I couldn't grab the Twitter, the Broken Tangent, so it's only ah, Broken okay. Tangent. Yeah, too late. Old man, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, one thing I really loved about Firewatch, for instance, is that it's this big open forest map, mm. and Nothing changes necessarily in this map, but it tells you to go from one point to the map to the next, right? And, and that's really the game. It's, it's like a maze that you have to find your way through it. You're constantly, the first time you walk through the, the forest, you're, you walk 10 steps, you look at your map, like, what the hell am I going? Okay, you walk 10 more steps, like, shit, where's where, this one? Okay. You know, you're mm. like trying to figure out your way. It's really inconvenient. Yeah. By the end, it's like a four and a half hour game, maybe. By the end of that game, you're like, I'm not going that way. There's a fallen tree. I'm going to run this way. It's the fast. And you like feel like you've been out there for three months. You know, you feel like you know the landscape. And it's not hard to get to the lake or to the whatever, to the this. And uh, games that teach you things like that, I always find very fascinating. Okay. Portal was another one. You know, I love Yes, that. Portal. Yeah, top three for me on Portal. Like, what a, a cool new take for a game that was just mind-blowing to me. Like, why has no one thought about this until now? Like when you see that, what seems like such a simplistic idea executed so beautifully, you're like, "Damn, why didn't I think of that?" Like that's, <laughs> that's so good. And yeah. I hadn't really played a game that really grabbed me until I played the first Halo when I was young. Like okay, yeah. that story, like having a game with like a really gripping story, I hadn't really experienced because I was I was that kid that was playing Street Fighter Two in summer. I was playing yeah. Counter-Strike. I was playing uh, Super Mario. That You know, the story's there, but you're not really focused on the story. You're focused on how fast you can get through it. Um, so Halo Day blew defeat. my mind. Yeah, Day of Defeat. Day of defeat? Oh, um, no, I did not play Day of Defeat. Times, you know? Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of Scorched Earth, if you remember that one. Oh, I don't remember Scorched Earth. 
It was like a little mini 8-bit tank game where eight players oh, could play. Yeah, yeah. I and do you, remember that. Like six different weapons on your tank, and you would have to figure out the, um, the trajectory of your shot. And, of course, each weapon had a different power level and et cetera. Uh, I played that for hours. I remember having that on a floppy three-and-a-half-inch oh, drive. Awesome. Old man. But Old Halo... Man. Yes, Halo. Halo for me was like the time because I, I played a lot. Of, I didn't play Halo Two as much. I played a lot of Halo One, like a lot. It was like it was dorm days for me at that point. Too. So yes. We bring, like Xboxes and plug. I don't remember how many Xboxes. We put as many as we could together. Put as many people in one room and just play Halo. Mm -hmm. on as many TVs as we you know I mean? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, all the land parties, oh, baby. Those land. Those, yeah, <laughs> the Halo land parties were great. Man. Yes. Um, yeah, I loved. I was a big fan. Of yeah, I will. Like, it is etched in my mind the moment that the flood is introduced, like the timing, yeah. the story arc, and the music. I want to get into this with you about yeah. music. Like the music, yeah. really stuck with me. Now, in your class that we took, what feels like decades ago at this point to me, um, there's a segment that we talked about about rhythm in your animation, and how music can play a big part in that of just dissecting a beat that you may like and try to match that beat to your animation. Um, I've been talking to a lot of students lately who where I see like that very much, if you would call it the four count beat, where everything is on the same quarter note, um, no fast, fast, slow, or slow, yeah. slow, fast, any type of rhythm like that. Um, do you still think about those types of patterns and rhythms as you make your games today and animate and stuff? Yeah, there's a, uh, I do, I do. There's a really great TED talk about this. Mm. Uh, I'll, I'll have to find a, I'll find a link in, in a second here. Okay. Um, so I don't lose my train of thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I just love, I think that music is probably one of the closest art forms to animation because it's one of the only things that shares time. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, closing your eyes, listening to a song, whether, you know, it's, song can bring it can again it can really evoke emotion in you it can really pull out a feeling whether it's sadness or excitement or anger or whatever it is music can really uh, pull that out of you and i think that animation yeah. can touch the same chords um, and when you think of music tempo and you think of something like a double bass that's just like I'm not thinking sadness right now. No. I'm not, you know, I'm not thinking, that comes to my mind. thinking anxiety. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe anxiety invoking rage. Yes. You know what I mean? like, yes. I have an idea of what that feels and sounds like. And so for me, uh, thinking of my shots or scenes or whatever character or whatever it is in animation, understanding of of how they their their circadian rhythm, their musical rhythm mm -hmm. is important to me and. Um, in a scene trying to find the texture and the cadence to of which to compose your shot like you would in any kind of sheet music yes uh, is, is important uh, and this is where i want to bring up sorry go ahead go ahead this... some people like to do it like energy curves you know like they, like they do one spline for their whole shot to see what the energy would look like or yeah. if, you know you see those like blocks to see like where the emphasis is it's the same kind of thing as a sheet music yes uh, idea i would i would love to bring up right now and show um that little movie you showed in the class of the the texture ideas for the first, like, I think maybe it was 10 or 12 characters in Overwatch, just showing, like, each character's um, unique style and how they would move and their rhythm, just with, like, a box and a sphere. Like, this would be Tracer, I, yeah. this would be Reinhardt, this would be... And you can just totally read it with just, like, three or four keys, 
and just that that tempo that we had on there was freaking beautiful. Yeah, I love. I uh, I was really stoked to do that because like, uh, what what Curtis was talking about is I made this test a long time ago and it had like just it was the uh, motion test of what characters could look like based off of their specific abilities mm. and with those abilities came a character and a personality and, and I basically used really primitive shapes to move them across the screen all at the same time but they all easing in, in speeds at which they got from even though it was all uh, I think it was 30 frames from one side of the screen to the next they all got there at roughly the same time but they, they all did it in their own specific ways and and it's specificity at that moment in time that's really again specificity in motions specificity in rhythm and timing and music yep. it's all unique to whatever the um, specific use of you know whatever you're looking to create or whatever you're looking to evoke it's all needs to be specific to help with that yeah if you're vague nobody knows what you're trying to get at but if you're specific you might be able to hit somebody right in the feels and hit a chord that they can relate to but if it's vague they're not going to ever really maybe understand how to scratch that surface yeah i mean readability overall um just just being able to be like hey that character is 50 yards away, and just by their movements and what they're doing in their whatever silhouette or shapes, I know that's Tracer. Yeah. I know that's yeah. Reinhardt. I know that's Pharaoh up there and not Echo. You know what I mean? Like, being able to um, to think about that when you're working on a game. We can use Overwatch as, as the example, but when you need to recognize characters so you know what abilities that are coming at you. Um, I think that's something that is like a high level type of thinking for game animators. Like when I first started on Heroes of the Storm, there was something I never thought about. Like I need to make my silhouettes for this 50 set of animations I got to make for this character. Yeah. This all has to be one form and one artistic vision so that later on down the line, when this character is 10 years old, they still know, oh yeah, that's Blaze. Uh, that's yeah, yeah. Sylvanas. That's what have you. You know what I mean? It's on model. It's on character. Yes. And, and never would I have thought of that prior to getting onto a game team and getting that type of experience. Um, it's crazy to me how much you learn just at your first year, hands-on. Like, getting your hand on a model and just taking it from what we talked about, from animation to implementation. Instead of just throwing over the fence to a tech artist, but getting your hands dirty with the technical side and being like, how do I get this thing all the way through and, and, and learn that whole process? It's huge. Yeah, it's, it's mind-numbing at first. Oh, yes. Because the jargon and mm -hmm. the words and the vernacular, you're, maybe you just don't, you're like, I know these goes in there. And the yes. Thing, the words are over there. The <laughs> that. But, like, you don't know how no. it all matches, right? It takes a little bit of time to, uh, to really understand. Again, for me, I... I have to know the whys. Like, why am I clicking this? Okay. Okay, got it. Why am I doing this? Got yeah. It. You know, like, in, if I go through the motion a bunch of times, that's that's a start. But then it's only until I can, like, maybe this is, again, going back to teaching. I, I have to know the whys or it drives me nuts. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I'm with you. I follow blind the first couple of times. Like, what do I yeah. need to make this work? Okay, that button, cool. I'll write that down for later. Uh, the amount of one notes and, like, little notepad <laughs> shit I have on my desktop is amazing is absolutely yeah. amazing um, i've actually invested in little leather bound books like so ah. I, I bought this little leather bound binder okay and then it has replaceable inserts because i hated having like those flip notepads or notepads that i would throw away and discard and not care yep. about yep so i liked having the idea that i had this like leather book 
that I kept, and then I had the inserts that I could take in and out, and then on these little binders I could write what the dates of it, and then the interest, like what what it contains. Ooh. Yeah. So. I was gonna say, do you file some of those away so you can look back at it and be like, hey, I I messed with this on this character a couple years ago. Let me see what notes I took or. Yeah, I okay. do file most. Uh, I do go through them a lot of times. Well, when it's in a binder, I don't, but uh, loose leaf, I do go through them. And, and the ones that are noteworthy, I do keep. I went from a binder to a sketchbook because I feel like I would hold on to the sketchbook <laughs> yeah. more so than I would the binder. And now I've reverted to the super tiny sketchbook, like the three by three, um, because the big ones were just getting too big and bulky to hold on to. It became like my DVD collection or like I have yeah. 500 of these huge cases and like, I just want to get rid of them all. Totally. So I, you know, um, yes. So I'm always looking for ways to improve my note taking method. Cause I'm the same. Yeah. I've got little gems that I'll go back and highlight certain colors for notes um, so I'm curious, maybe I'll get that link from you of what you're using. Cause that sounds awesome. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'll find it. The OCD in me is smiling. Give me all the notes. I'm mean, also getting this, I gotta find this, this Ted talk. I was telling you. Yes, please. Yeah. I'm going to put all of this information in the YouTube link. So it'll all be there. Um, for anyone that's interested in what we're talking about. Let me ask you this, Casey. Um, yeah. It's going to be a little different now, but before we were working from home, um, what did you like to do to, to find that, that nice work-life balance? Because, um, you know, when we're at work, uh, if I know you, you're working 8 to 10 hours a day, no problem. Um, what do you like to do to unwind this kind of, you know, get that energy back? Um, I, when, when we were not working from home, yeah. it, I... I did a lot of rec stuff, so I played in rec basketball leagues, okay. softball leagues. Uh, I played basketball at lunch three times a week. Uh, Still getting that sports itch. That's great. Dude, yeah, I do yeah, that. Yeah. And I find that when I don't exercise like that, I get way more irritable. <laughs> everything just pisses me off. Yo, I almost spit right on camera when you said that. Man, oh my oh, goodness. Man. I'm not joking. Like, there's yeah. times where I say to my wife, like, I just want to punch something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, yes. I was going to say, like, does, does your, your oldest one um, just keep you running around the house as it is? It's not enough exercise for you? Because I feel like right now, yeah. maintaining the four-year-old and the 10-month-old is a GD marathon. And I lose every day. I lose every day. And I decided... No, and I decided, of course, oh, work from home. Let's get a stand-up desk. That's a good idea. <laughs> so now I can stand up and be active even after work. That's a good idea. But yeah. yes. Maybe you have some inertia because now when I stand up, I'm like, oh, I don't want to sit no. down again. No, I can't. yeah, I won't be able to. I won't be able to get back up. So um, are you still doing it? great. Are you still able to, like, you doing a little gym stuff at home, trying to keep active even, even though we're quarantined out? Yeah, um. We have a park down the street that is huge. And okay. It's not like one of those parks where you have thousands of people at. Yeah. Um, normally there might be one or two other patrons at this okay. park, you know, walking a dog. Um, and I have a very active dog myself, so we normally go down there every day, and he rides his bike. And sometimes, you know, uh, he rides bikes with buddies, but that's uh, the extent of the isolation. I miss Foxy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's not even the one that's out here. I got, uh, I got, I got newer dogs. Bailey out here. Bailey Bear. Bigger. Oh my she's goodness! A ball, she's a ball hound, man. Oh she boy. Loves frisbee, loves ball. 
so you know, I, I gotta run them out. Yeah. And, uh, and then when I'm there, I'll kind of like he'll be riding a bike, and I'll run with him or do something just to get this energy out. Yes. Got to do something. Yeah, today. And I do pull-ups and, and curls in uh, and in meetings. I, when my camera's off, I'm probably doing something uh. that I don't want to be visibly seen. <laughs> Ryan, Jesse, if you watch this, you know nothing. Yeah, yeah, See no yeah. evil, hear no evil. <laughs> <laughs> Man, today was uh, we filled up water balloons, and we we bought my daughter a little like trampoline two years ago yeah. to get the energy out. Yeah. And we threw a bunch of water balloons in the trampoline today, and that worked great. Oh, that was oh, so much that fun. fun. That was super fun. Uh, the only hard part was that the hose water was brisk to say the least. I believe it. So after about the twelfth one, she was over of the popping of the balloons on her, so she yep. just wanted to throw them somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she needed a target. Yeah, yeah, that was when Dad turned into the dummy. Yep, that makes um, sense. Yeah, yep. logical progression. Run back and forth, Dad. <laughs> All right, here we go. Here we go. How is her arm? Uh, her arm yeah. is good. I, you know, for a minute there, I thought she was going to be a lefty huh. through and through. Um, it wasn't until the last oh, year or so. Yeah, she switched it back to the right hand. Okay. Um, okay. But I'm, but I'm watching. We play a little bit of the um, the toss right now with the. Um, the sticky gloves with the tennis, the furry tennis ball, and the sticky, oh, yeah, yeah. sticky mitt. Awesome. And she'll get a couple of good zingers in there. She'll get, and then she'll want to sit down and roll the ball to me. So it's a, it's a half and half right now. Aww. But little boys, he's, he's all about trucks and balls right now. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. Those are, uh, it's amazing. Like those are like the two coolest things to any child. Oh, it's freaking crazy. And, and the biggest difference for me right now is how different this boy is compared to my girl. Like okay, the different yeah. things I'm experiencing and how um high energy this boy is in comparison oh, yeah, to yeah. where she was at this age really i literally I, I i looked away from him for 10 seconds today casey 10 seconds and i turned back around and he had made it underneath the sink had opened the door and got all the way inside underneath the sink and i'm like what how it, it is amazing i need his speed and his energy yeah, um no kidding, man. enough of my sitcom on life uh, <laughs> let me ask you another another question for the students out there. Yeah. Um, currently, what do you feel like is the um, the hardest part of breaking into the game industry, or just getting into an animation job at all right now? Oh, okay. Um, you know, I'm not really sure. Um, right now, it's been so long. Uh, I feel like I'm a domesticated house cat at this point. Yeah. Um, I may be able to rephrase this for you then, because yeah. I know you've been um, you've been doing some interviews lately. Um, yeah. Your team's been hiring. Um, do you see a lot of things on student portfolios and reels that you would like to see less or more of? Um, I always love a reel that makes me want to watch it. Okay, well, sure. Like yeah. <laughs> Don't and send so. a reel that Casey doesn't want to watch. <laughs> Just know that. What? I guess what I'm getting at those is it's like if you want to grab somebody's attention, yes. putting one shot after another shot after another shot after another shot is one way to do that, I guess. But if you really wanted to go the extra mile, you could probably find more creative ways to do such a thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and that's a lot more work, and that's not necessary. But mm -hmm. all I'm saying is that if you want – for me, if I want someone to be like – if I wanted to be like, hey guys, look at me, look at me, I wouldn't do the same. I would, I would try and do something interesting. And 
Gosh, this is such terrible, terrible demo reel uh, uh, news because that's, that's like the opposite every school is going to tell you. They're going to tell you, put one thing after another, put your first best things at the first and the last and make sure you have a walking piece an acting piece a two-person acting piece a mechanics piece, yeah body mechanics yeah 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 you're gonna have like all these specifics and uh, those are great guidelines they are great guidelines but like every rule and every guideline it's meant to be broken with good reason and I just look for re again knowing the whys and the reasons. I love to yes. the whys, so I can break those reasons. <laughs> no, but you make a great point because every that's what everybody does, and that's what my reel is right now. It's start with my best two shots and end with my best two shots, and hope to God that they remember those first two shots and last shots, or want to continue to watch to that end. Um, but no one's doing like, hey, here's just a thirty second quick cinematic short I made that is just a new idea. And that's just the real, like something yeah. just different and not the standard shot after shot after shot after shot. And the thing is, too, is like, um, you know, like if it's going to be shot after shot after shot after shot, you know, three and a half minutes is too much. Absolutely. It's too much. And, and if it's just shot after shot after shot and nothing is like specifically greater than the last and showing me something new. And it's like, for instance, I'll see a lot of times where shots will come in and it will be like, or sorry, reels will come in. And it's almost uh, like I feel like I see the same shot over and over again. And it's like, okay, but I already saw that one. Which mm. was the best one? Mm. You know what I mean? And, I, mm -hmm. and, I don't remember. and then because it's so redundant, I kind of forget a little bit more. Yep. Um, it's really hard. You know, there's so much saturation. There's so many people submitting demo reels. Yes. And the, I guess that's the reason why I'm saying uh, do something that's different. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why is because if. If everybody is going the same way, the one thing that's going to get noticed is the one that's going against the grain, um, and that can also that can work against you as well. You know, if you, yeah. if you submit something that just works against the grain in a in a, in a really unpleasing aesthetic way, then it's going to work against you. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have a vision for a way that you want to show things and, and present them and, and be a showsman or, or showswoman at what you're making, uh, if you have a vision for it. You know, animation's a great spot to have visions. You know, yeah. If you're going to be crazy, you know, yeah. what a better place than as, being as an animator. And showing that you can have that creative vision is, is I think, uh, a useful tool. But if you, but if they don't come naturally or easy to you, I think that's fine, too. But, again, um, redundancy in reels is, is, is a very prevalent. Yeah, you're making my mind spin right now. What I need to change. That's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. I, I saw this. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was, you know, I was, um, I've got a buddy right now who's contracting a Naughty Dog who just put out his Last of Us 2 reel. Um, and he was asking me just for some quick opinions on what I thought should be in there because he's, he's applying at Blizzard for um, the Blizzard animation team. And he thinks that I know what they want for some reason. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to some opinions like, hey, maybe you want to throw this in, maybe take this out, etc. Um, but... I think about how many contractor friends I know that jump from project to project every six to nine months, and that's all they really have to show is that last project on that reel. Um, it brings me to the, the next question of, do you think that as an animator, you should also take time to work on those personal projects at home or on your own free time so that you can also um, break up your, here's my, my nine to five, shot nine to five shot boom here's a personal shot where it was just me i was the director the editor 
the whatever the animator um, okay then bam here's back to my my work wheel type of thing um do you feel like animators should always have that type of mentality like to try to get in some personal time when they can to work on personal projects at home um i might be against okay i'm starting to realize i'm a black sheep here um but this is good. I want to hear this info. This is good. I might be against the grain in that. I don't think that, that matters as much. Okay. Personally. Yeah. Um, as far as seeing it on a real, like, here's a personal shot versus my workshop, whatever. Versus if, yeah, I mean, don't, I mean, that definitely shows initiative and that you're trying to learn and grow and you're trying to get better. Um, but if you have, like, a, a stellar reel from a AAA company, or, I mean, I shouldn't even say, I should even put a, a title in the company. Like, if you just have a stellar games reel from a published title or even or even an unpublished title yeah and it just looks awesome um then i don't need the rest of it you know what i mean yeah 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 um, and I, I i do i do think that having personal reels and professional stuff mixed onto a reel looks like you're trying to engage and trying to better yourself so it definitely doesn't hurt okay um but i think if the the work is strong enough matters much more. And the, the interesting thing too is that in the current day of the internet, you know, it might not be your first or second reel, you know, so we could probably go back and find reels from 10, 15 years ago. Right? That is very How true. Far. Yeah, so that I is can, very true. I can see where the progression from five years to two years to current, you know what I mean? And, and if all of a sudden I, you see this trajectory that just goes, then you know that um, they're really learning. And, it, you know, even if they didn't show it to me in personal work, then I, I see the caliber going up. They're doing something to study. Yeah. I don't know where or when or how they're using their time, but they're doing something to learn. Yeah. And so that helps a lot too. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Oh, and here's these. Here's uh, we're talking about fun reels. The second one, there's a really fun reel uh, from Batman, a, a gentleman named Jen, James Benson who worked on Firewatch, and I really found that like a really fun reel. And that is shot after shot after shot, but it's okay. on an engine, and. He transitions the shots all in engine from one to the next to the next, and the environment's rolling around each shot that he worked on, and I just loved the innovation of that. I loved Ooh. the creativity of how he displayed that reel, and I am. Um, yeah, I just, like, you know, again, like, we're talking about, that's shot after shot after shot, but look at the way it's showcased. Look at yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting, and I always remember that, and I thought that that was a really fun and exciting reel. Uh, it inspired me. Yeah, yeah, because I, I, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like I see a lot of play of the game animations now, um, for personal yeah. projects, which is great because I feel like cool. it does twofold: um, a lot of good body mechanics work and cinematography work involved. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that I've been trying to work a lot on in the last year or two is just cinematography in general. Um, working with cameras, animating the cameras is a whole different beast. I feel like instead of working well. In games, you're also working towards a camera. What am I even saying? Um, but it's a different, it's a different beast for sure. Cause absolutely. You control one, uh, a player that you can't control controls. <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. And even thinking about like how how lenses work for emotion and what what those can bring to the table in your animations too is is a big thing. I almost sometimes I will recommend um, newer animators not to even get involved with cameras yet and just learn the the animation basics um, before they even start cameras. And I feel like I'm not even ready for cameras yet. I get a camera in 3D space and I go buck wild still, I feel. Where it's just, yeah, that hey, this looks awesome. Let me try this this angle. Sent, I just sent you a link for my favorite cinematography book. So okay. Bruce Block, it's called Visual Story. 
I read this book, and then a few years back, Blizzard sent me to GDC, and uh, I went to a talk, an Activision Blizzard talk, and sure enough, he was the presenter, and I was like, I had just finished his book, and I was Amazing. like, Amazing. Oh, this is the perfect thing. They you know, made this talk for me. It was fantastic. <laughs> I just think that he has, you know, the, the book is great because it's it's uh, made more for, you know, there's a lot of cinematography books. There's the five season cinematography, uh, cinematography yep. shot by shot. Um, That's what I'm reading right now. There's a bunch of them, and they're great. And they, a lot of them handle a lot of mediums. Um, the visual story for me, um, by Bruce Block, was uh, very modern. It, it talks about digital mediums and understanding those and how, how they reach digital audiences. And I, uh, I just found, I, you know, just, I, I enjoyed hearing something that was written more for the mediums that I was working in and less about um, the le- mediums that were influencing video games. Okay. You know I mean? Yep. Because um, cinema, you know, as far as a narrative or story game, cinema is a, a huge inspiration. Yes. To, to games. So we, we learn a lot from it, but there's only so much we can steal from it. Uh, I personally don't enjoy when, like, you're playing a game and your camera gets ripped out of you to, like, go see a specific object. Mm. I understand that moment in the game. Like, I understand why you do that because you need the player to understand the objective or whatever it is that you're trying to show them. Yeah. But I always loved Half-Life where, hey, they're talking to me, Gordon, but I don't want to listen, so I'm going to go outside now. And they're going to keep talking in here because the world keeps going. You know what I mean? Yep. I love that. I love the ability to have that control. And most of the time I listened. You know, I wanted to hear the story. But um, having the choice to do that, I thought was, um, it was awesome. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> I just want to take my crowbar and go get a facehugger. Yeah. Just... <laughs> Got it. Good. That's you guys right. the science stuff. I'll be out Roger there. that. I see my checkpoint out that way. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good to go. Um. What would you what would you say to a younger you, Casey? Now you've you know you've you've worked on what you've worked on at this point. You've learned what you've learned. You've taught what you taught. If you could go back to Casey right before um, he turned on Lightwave, what what would be what would be the piece of advice you think you'd give yourself? Oh man, what would I have said to myself? Um, I think it's taken me a long time to accept failure is part of the process okay yeah 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 um and i and i think that maybe that's why i'm really outspoken about it now like i think if you ever see me on any kind of podcast or, or any kind of talk that i'm giving i'm, I'm really trying to preach and, and advocate um for failure as being a tool and less about it being something that hurts so much um, mm. it, you know all of us who have played baseball or any kind of sport know that um you at least in baseball, if you fail seven out of ten times, you're a Hall of Famer. You know, mm-hmm. Three hundred, you are a Hall of Famer, which means you failed seven out of ten times. If you think about that, that is an astronomical number of failure. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't work in a lot of industries. No, <laughs> <You know? laughs> no. You can't do that in rocket science. And maybe you can, and maybe they fail all those millions of times before they send them. You know, actually send astronauts into space. Oh but, boy. You know what I mean? Like. Um, yeah. I just find that to be a very, uh, at least for my industry again, I find, I find that to be a very refreshing idea. And it was only until I started to think of failure more as a tool mm-hmm. and less as a hindrance that I started to, I think, creatively be able to grow. Um, I had a mentor who was a huge 
influence on me and inspiration in my life. And his name is Michael Mikarovich. He's taught me a lot of secrets of animation, a lot of processes that he uses to, um, and workflows that he uses to on him in his everyday life. And his reasoning is so, very, is so strong and so inspirational that I understood I, the logic behind everything made sense. It all ch checked all the boxes, and then mm -hmm. I, I, uh, I committed to the idea of trying to learn that way, and it was very beneficial for me. So, uh, yeah, so I think that the failure part of things, though, I did not yet understand. Yeah. Uh, As I think a lot of us in, in our younger days don't. I think I took failure yeah. more as like a failure, a hardship, like I shouldn't do that again. Um, not like what should I learn from that situation. Exactly. And, the yeah. more, and, and I, it's such a silly thing to say. Like I, I feel like I, hear, I heard on Sesame Street this morning. Like, sure. Hey, yeah. What did you learn yeah. from this failure? You know, it's like my kids don't, don't even really understand. It just it becomes numbing to hear that. Yes. Yes. Without any more specification. And I think of it like this. Like uh, without failure, we have this blue sky imagination. It could be anything. And then we try something and it doesn't work and then we fail a little bit so we have to like put a parameter. We can't go that far that way, we can't go that way. So let's uh, let's fly this way on this blue sky. Oh, hit a wall, boom. All right, now we can't go that way. Now we know it, we know that it can't go this way and it can't go that way. All yes. right, well, let's just fly up, boom. All right, fit the ceiling. Okay, now I've, I've, you know, I've made this cube, I'm making this box. I now know within this box of my parameters, I've built these parameters, I understand what I'm making now. Through creative exploration of this blue sky idea, I can then hit the boundaries to then understand the confinements that I need to work with. Do you, does that make sense? It's yep. not so silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's too theory-driven. Um, I think about this a lot. And the more I fail, the more I could just add reasons to why I go the other direction. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yep. Or, or understand what it is that I am trying to make or, or figure out where, what, I'm, what audience I'm trying to hit. Yeah. I feel like my simplest example is uh, when to use IK and when to not use IK. Like, what type of animations do I tend to find myself, okay, for a run cycle, I need IK for this. Whereas, in this type of animation move or game animation, I definitely need to use FK. Because I tried F IK once, and boy, was that a pain. And just simple things like that of you've done it a hundred times, and you realize, like, that was awful, and I don't want to do it that way ever again. And I feel like a lot of my failures have been that, where I've done it so many times. Like, why am I even doing it this hard way? I know there's an easier yeah. way to do this. Um, oh, look, there's a button. Or, hey, look, Anim Tools does that for me now. Um, I love Anim Tools. Oh, bless Anim Tools. So good. Um, is that something that, that your team gets to use, or is that something you guys are utilizing? Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you, team. Uh, team. Thank you, Alan. Yes, thank you, Alan. I was talking to uh, Mr. Jeremy Collins about that um, a couple of years back when he was, I think he was testing or helping Alan test it or giving him feedback or something like that. Um, yeah, good stuff, that tools. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't have them, those are, uh, those are great assets. And if you can't afford the Anim Tools one, uh, A Tools is a, a slightly uh, reduced version of that and it is free and it's made by the same person. So. Uh, I didn't, is Alan still supporting A Tools? It's just he whatever final word. Okay. Yeah, I, for stories that are not mine. So, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, A-Tools. But A-Tools is still online. Oh, that's awesome. I For some reason, I thought he got shut down A-Tools after Anabot came oh, out. you know what? He might have. I, it's been a while since I've checked now that I see that. So might... Check it out, fam. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I ended up going with, um, honestly, the Eco version was super affordable to me. 
It was like 50 bucks for the year, or maybe it was 150 bucks. But still, if you don't got that money, we understand there's lots of yeah. free options and free tools out there you can get, like Tween Machine, Studio Library. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what a lot of this is, too. He, he put it all into one awesome, simple to use package. You're not having to, like, you know, source in a bunch of different um, tools. And yeah. Which can be a pain if you're not comfortable with that sort of thing. Absolutely. All right, I got a couple of fun questions to end this off, Casey. I've taken an hour of your time already, which we appreciate you so much for doing this. Um, what is your favorite animation from a video game? It doesn't have to be like that specific attack animation, that specific player of the game, but like yeah, yeah. as a video game as a whole, that animation on that video game was awesome. Uh, there's so many that are racing in my head. I'll start with like one of the first ones as a kid, uh, with Shadow of the Colossus. I think oh. everyone at the Colossus entrance to me was awesome. I'm nice. so excited to find them. At every moment, I, it seems like it was, it's hard for me in games because games is, I mean, I guess I can film too, but it's such a culmination of so many art forms. You know what I mean? Like the animation of the very first Colossus you see marching out with the effects that are around it, and they actually steal the camera from you and show it in a really cinema, uh, like a cine- uh, really cool cinematography as it, you know, walking by. Yeah. So I think that that, that had a big resounding uh, feeling, impression, left a big impression on me. And then, you know, with more recent things, I always use this in my class now too, is that, you know, when we were kids, uh, a death in a video game was like Oregon Trail. It was like you died of dysentery, so here's a tombstone. You know what I mean? That was yep. It. And then you have modern day ones. You go into The Last of Us, and the very first, oh. the first Last of Us is where he's holding his like his daughter, and it's just to think that those were those are 25 years apart from each other, and the emotional impact that one has over the other is is astoundingly more more severe. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, I think that The Last of Us, in, as a whole, the very first one was just. I remember watching that trailer. Scripted, yeah. Being like his hand playing on the wall. Yes. Artistic animations that were happening, and I remember even that he opened the backpack to go into the inventory system, and like just like the little attention to detail. You know, I, I found it fascinating. Watching like the play of the games, I'd never seen anything like that. It's like, you know, I, I'm a huge Snatcher fan, so like, like Dave Gibson did the war with the Yeah, those little dancing fingers. Yeah. Yeah. It just came to fruition. I thought that was fascinating. And then seeing characters was such. I love Blizzard animation. I was a huge World of Warcraft fan before I came to Blizzard. Uh, I've told the story several times. Uh, I accidentally stole my mom's credit card so that I could play more World of Warcraft. <laughs> 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 it wasn't really an accident. You know, I was pretty young at the time. And Don't do that at home, kids. Don't do that at home. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Hmm. Update battle net payment. Yes. Yes. Good man. Um, Good man, Casey. But I was a huge fan of Blizzard. Like the, the, the World of Warcraft opening cinematic where I think Ben Dye and James McCoy were the ones who did like the, the druid, the little uh, dwarf, uh, not druid, the dwarf hunter. Yes, the and the bear. And then the McCoy did the, the panther through the forest as a cinematic, and I just remember going home. Yeah, and then good. Arthas, um, as far as the cinematic goes, Arthas, where he's, uh, 
a message that's being narrated over the top, and it's a letter from his father to him. And it's about how he believes that his son's going to be this huge, like, changing point for the world that's going to bring, bring this ray of hope for everyone. Who's yes. Great leader. But the visuals are the exact opposite of that, and it's like this really twisted love story, and it, it, I, I found that fascinating. Yes. And then I think that my love for a lot of Blizzard in general, even as before becoming part of um, the company myself, was that everything they did was handcrafted. And I find that when it's handcrafted, it stands the test of time because it's artistically created and not necessarily based off of 100% grounded real-world physics. Mm. And you know, physics and, and technology get outdated, but art is in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. Not outdated if you still love the appeal of it. Um, but technology, things that were mocap 10 years ago don't look as good as they did 10 years ago. And wow, it came out 10 years ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it still looks great. It does. Fact, when they tried updating some of the animations at some point in time, there was a huge revolt earlier on in the world. War. That's remember. right. Mr. Pandaria, I think. Yeah, they updated human animation at some point in time, and people were so mad. Oh yeah. They wanted to go back to something else. I was like, okay. Yeah, I remember. We might have kind of caught the beginning of that. You were in cinematics with us when we were messing with the Miss Pandaria machinima stuff. I um I no no I, well, maybe no I, I can't remember. I started. I don't remember. There was a moment where they added a facial rig. Okay. Okay. They. Um, this was not even the pre-order. This was like some of the garage in-game, like you beat a quest and those in-game cinematics play. Um, there was a moment where they added a awesome facial rig to the Pandarans for Mr. Pandaria in in-game, and then they ended up taking that, if I recall, and putting that on the other heroes, other character, other races, and the internet lost their mind when we tried to update that and make it look. And to us, we're like, heck yeah, now we can add facial animations to the machinima. We're making it Yeah. <laughs> uh, apparently not. not it's the, yeah, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. And it's the same voice, reason why WoW Classic came back. People want to go back to how original WoW was super hard and super hard to play and find quests. Um, even though we've made so many quality of life improvements to the new WoW. Um, yeah. That nostalgia is just, it's, it's hard Dude. to to get rid of when classic came out i didn't go back to live oh see yeah 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 I, I went right back into classic and i now have two classic oh my goodness i love it yeah absolutely and that's where you're getting your creative passion some more uh yeah juices flowing through wow i know undead animation really well <laughs> let me ask you are they um are they updating things artistically on the wild classic side it's been a while since i've even seen a build but um do they is I everything so. just that's just one to one okay interesting that's cool that's cool um i was gonna ask you this last fun question but i think i know the answer to it um dodgers ah, you're <laughs> dodgers you're dodgers uh, um lakers, uh, lakers. <sighs> We wouldn't have any sports this season. I'm, I'm sad about an 80 game season. Are you kidding me? That's not a baseball season. I don't even know if it's gonna be 80 game, man. <sighs> I have my doubts about that too. That's that's interim champion stuff. We just need to unify the belt <laughs> in 2021. 
let the Washington let them have it one more year, whatever. Anyways, yeah, 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 let them keep it. Yeah, let them keep it. Let them shine it, polish it for us next time. Um, stepped blocking or straight ahead spline? Oh yeah. Uh, why you? We you know, the I'm asking Wait, the question. The kids at home may not know. Yeah. What? Well, what well, yeah. do you prefer? What one do you prefer? Not at all. I I stepped animated um, the first four years of my career, and I just kept, uh, for me, the frustration kept mounting of every time I would block a shot and get it approved, even in, you know, at a professional visual effects house. Yep. um, I felt like I was like, cool, it's approved. Now I got to reanimate it. Here we go. You know what I mean? You know, me personally, you see people out there that overblock things like we talked about Hunter Grant earlier. Yeah. Hunter's an amazing stepped animator. He overblocks things like crazy, but it looks beautiful and blocking. And then he hits spline, and it's already pretty close because he overblocked it like crazy. Yeah, on twos or ones in some cases. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's all subjective. So yep. Personally, my brain just likes to get. And, and the thing is, with spline, is it's going to look ugly and dirty at first. Oh, yes. So, because you're working on like maybe up bows or less poses, and you're just like, what does that feel like from A to B? And then mm-hmm. you're just trying to get overall beat feelings. So, it's a different, a different eye. And I remember even working with Hunter at first, he didn't understand what the heck I would, why I would do these things. And, we, and it was great sitting next to him for so as long as I did because we had so many great conversations about workflow. And, yep. Um, I always admired and really appreciated yeah i've um all last year i was animating on stepped um just to reevaluate that workflow again and it took me a good long while to realize exactly what you said like it's a lot of great work up front and i got really feel like i get to focus on my story poses a lot more when i'm doing blocked um but good lord you got to animate that thing two to three times after that if you don't put enough keyframes like we're saying if i'm just going like hey every five keyframes every eight keyframes there's a lot of in between that computer's like well let's just put the curve like this and you got to go in and mess with every axis and curve from there on out so this year it's been more straight ahead spline animation for me which like you said is dirty up front and i love trying to figure out my cog movements with just the cog dragging a character across the whole screen um, but I feel like my time to finish or my time to super detail polish is cut in half easily. I, and that's kind of what came down to me for me because what it came, what would happen with me with like I would over when I was younger I would try to overblock and overimpress and I would show something and it was overblocked and it was probably ugly or the idea wasn't clear and I'd mm-hmm. show it and then uh, fundamentally it would get ripped down from the idea and then I'd have to go back and reblock and the amount of time it would take me to overblock again to that same stage it was a long time and then I'd have to read the ones that was finally approved after you know big heavy iterations or, or minor iterations I'd have to then spline it and be like oh man I lost all my impact and punch and I gotta put all that back in there but when I'm working on timing from the very beginning and I'm just worried about less poses uh, I can then show earlier and often and fail earlier mm. and often mm-hmm. because I can get an idea across with fewer things I kind of want to dive into that a minute, if you don't mind a broken tangent. Sure. Da, da, da. Oh, I broken tangents. So, so, as you know, I'm a fan of broken tangents. Yeah, 
absolutely. Thank God. Um, when you were in cinematics, um, doing that workflow of, of the straight ahead splined, um, were, was there, were there times where it was, um, harder for you to get iterations passed by the directors or were you having to put a little more effort in up front to kind of show and present that idea? Yeah. Uh, okay. That's a really great question. Uh, the very first shot I showed, I remember the director and the surprising animator looking at it and looking at me going like, oh, fuck. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it was rough. It was rough. I only spent a day to turn it around. Yeah. Fail early and fail off. I was like, okay, I can fail yeah. early. And for those that don't know, we have dailies typically every day where you're showing the yeah. director or your lead of, of your progress, right? Yeah. No. And they didn't, I didn't even get to show it in dailies. They wanted, me to, they wanted to pull me into a, an office. Oh, cool. Because like, <laughs> right. it was bad. I mean, but, but to me, I, when it's rough like that, I can still see where I'm going. And I sometimes I forget. It's funny because at the end of a shot, I'll come back and I'll watch that first pass. Like, Oh, now I see what they saw. Yeah, that did suck. Okay, okay, yeah. In my mind, I see the the outcome. And so that's what's great. I show it to them. And if they don't know me, you can see the concern wash across their face. Like, oh, boy, this is too big of a shot for him. We are in trouble. Um, And I genuinely, genuinely felt that in the first shot. Like, I I think that they were scared to death uh, of my, my first large shot that I had. Okay. Turned out fine. Was it was it the running Selena shot in uh, Legacy of no. the Void? Okay. Um, it was the shot with the probe. And oh, in the pre-rendered, in the pre-rendered shot. Okay, yeah. where he sets up the pylon. Yeah. Okay. I'll play that underneath on the podcast when I edit <laughs> yeah. this thing. That's awesome. I played uh, McCoy's first shot he animated for cinematics when we were on this. I don't know if you back and looked. Yeah, Diablo two was one of his first shots. Yeah, he did the uh, the spirits at the World Stone. It was like a terrial shot. Yes. There's a bunch of spirits flying around. That's a huge Diablo fan. Oh yeah. Ruined so many sleepless nights. Oh, I mean, no sleep. So many nights that I shouldn't have to sleep. <laughs> yeah. No such thing. No such thing. Well, Casey, man, the final thing for me is we like to do a animation art career tip of the podcast at the end, mm. um, and I'm actually going to be taking one of your tips that I learned in your class. Um, for those of, of you that know me, I did a lot of lip sync animation, face effects animation for cinematics and for Heroes of the Storm. Um, so I've had a lot of practice, I feel like, with lip sync in general. And one of the things to watch out for with your mouth is what's called the football mouth. Um, either pull the corners of the mouth up or pull the corners of the mouth down. Never leave them just in the middle. Get that normal football mouth. And that's a, that's a coin phrase from Casey. The man. Oh, I can't take credit for that. <laughs> it's been handed down to me. I love it. I love it. I got some other gems here, too. Uh, one of everyone was, clavicles are like the eyebrows of the body. It's true. Yeah, they're Boom. expressive. Boom. Don't forget about them. Don't forget about those clavicles. Yeah, you got one you can share with the class, Casey? Oh, man. Okay, okay. I mean, we talked about it, but I, I again, I, I, I feel like I'm a very loud purveyor of failing early. Yes. That's, I, I don't think that at any time in your career, that is not a bad thing to do. That is a great thing to do. If you're early in your career, the amount of people who have told me that they want to be animated, I, you know, again, I've, I've taught for the greater part of a decade, and um, the amount of times I'll get told students in a classroom that all tell me they want to be animators, and by week six, the amount of people who have dogs that eat their homework, <laughs> or drive 
Fail it. Do it often. Do yep. it often, and do it on somebody else's budget. Yeah, um, that is the best. That is the best. Because if you're gonna fail, do it not on your dime. If you're gonna make your own video game studio, Sorry. that's right. That's right. And there's there is plenty of it in this industry in this career. Um, I feel like every day there's some new tech knowledge or new animation knowledge for me to learn. Never enough. Okay. Never enough. Dude, Casey, man, thank you so much for joining us today, tonight, this evening, whatever it is. I lost track of the days come week two of work from home, so, yeah. you know. But thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, Yes, man. Stay safe, stay well, and I'm going to talk to you soon. Better to have a short life that is full of what you like doing than a long life spent in a miserable way. And after all, if you do really like what you're doing, it doesn't matter what it is you could eventually become a master of it. It's the only way to become a master of something, to be really with it.